Hi, welcome back to The Clinical Spiritualist. My name is Morgan Thomas, she, her, and I'm a queer therapist and coach. I'm passionate about uplifting the LGBTQ plus community through client-centered care, and I'm also a spiritual practitioner who specializes in tarot. During the pandemic, I embarked on a spiritual journey that led me into questioning everything about myself and my life. I came out as bisexual, left religion, began reading tarot, and started my own business. I'm passionate about sharing honest stories in hopes of bringing healing, curiosity, and new insights into your world. As always, take what resonates and leave what doesn't. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, Kaylee. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Morgan. I'm so excited we got connected and I'm ready to dive into a pricing conversation today. I know we've been talking behind the scenes um, more about it and yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm very excited to, to learn from you. And for the listeners, I would love for you to share where you're at in your business, what you do and what has been your career history or history up into this point, having your business? Right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Big question. Right? I'm going to make it short. We're going to shorten it for today. Yeah. So that, cause I know pricing is a conversation that a lot of people want to talk about. And mm-hmm. of course my career j- trajectory played into that. So I worked in higher education. Mm-hmm. My name's Kaylee Robsham, by the way. Um, my pronouns are she, hers, and I worked in higher education. I was being underpaid as most educators are. And I just looked at the career ladder that was laid out for me. And I did not really, one, first of all, I didn't believe in it. I didn't believe that I had to prove myself um, in order to kind of climb the ladder ever so slowly. I was looking at my boss and my director and she had been in the role, her director role for like 10 years. And I was like, when is she going to get a promotion? And so mm-hmm. in education, as you get promoted, there's less and less positions available. And usually it means you have to move across the country in order to get a higher salary. So I didn't want to just have to move totally across the country away from a support network, family, friends. And, but a lot of my colleagues were, and I just decided I don't want to do this anymore. My mental health is crap. I was working probably 50 to 60 hours a week in an on-call role, very much like an on-campus. It was a residence um, director, area coordinator Mm -hmm. for colleges and universities. And I just, I stopped believing in the work that I was doing because I, couldn't full show up as my full self. And that meant that my students weren't getting me at my best, which was only perpetuating like the problem. (laughs) So, so I decided, you know what I, instead of trying to fix this system from the inside out, which is pretty hard to do if you're not in a leadership role, um, I'm going to leave and do an adjacent job. So I worked at a higher ed tech startup and I was the first woman to work there, which comes with its own stuff, (laughs) as you can imagine. And I was there for two years, learned a lot about marketing and eventually decided that 
I could work for myself. I said, marketing is basically the backbone of every business Mm -hmm. marketing and a really great content marketing strategy. So if you're listening and you're a small business owner, content marketing is where it's at. Mm -hmm. So I believed in myself. I said, if I can do this for this small business, then I can hundred percent do this on my own as a woman owned business. Mm -hmm. So I took on a nannying job for a year and a half to get my business off the ground. And um, I became a mindset coach. So I was working with women who had anxiety Mm -hmm. and depression for a while, helping people. And then I just kept getting questions about how did you get your side hustle off the ground, your business off the ground? Um, I started taking on social media marketing clients and they kept asking me business coaching questions. And I said, do you want me to just be your business coach? Cause I'm basically giving you that value at this high level, yet you're only paying me $500, $600 a month. Mm-hmm. So that's when I decided I can be a business coach and I can charge so much for my value my knowledge and my skill set. And here we are today. Yeah. I started studying hypnotherapy in 2019, met amazing mentors and now do spiritual hypnotherapy and business coaching primarily. I work with a lot of women, um, but mm-hmm. I do work with um, non-binary people in the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community, yeah. all identities, all mm-hmm. folks. Um, but women tend to have specific narratives and a, and a history um, in our country here in the U.S. that make that kind of coaching a little bit more unique. So. That's more about me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. It sounds like um, you really noticed your gender in that tech company. Like, would you say you experience sexism or just microaggressions about being a woman in a male dominated field? And and then how did that kind of fuel you or... um, give you more passion to start that business and kind of branch off on your own. A hundred percent. Um, and noting here that microaggressions are unintentional. Um, and there was a lot of trainings that I got to move forward in that environment because of what I experienced. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, so working with primarily white cisgender men in a startup company gives you insight into, right? We had like hiring processes Mm -hmm. and I could just kind of add in, right? I was kind of adding in more of what they should be mindful of because of my gender, Mm -hmm. but then realizing that I wasn't getting paid for that. And I'm like, well, I should be getting paid for this, but really. So I think anyone who's working in that kind of environment, noting that when you're asked to take on more responsibilities or roles, or you do that for yourself, because a lot of us do that, when we're experiencing uh, microaggressions or different types of oppression in the workplace, we volunteer ourselves to do that work. And I did that. I did. I did that for a long time. And so I'm not going to put like complete blame on that workplace is that I was also working through my own internalized stuff that couldn't be worked through in that environment. So I learned a lot about myself through that experience and it made me a better entrepreneur because now I can see those dynamics play out um, when white cisgender men come into my business and they expect something or they expect me to educate them in a certain way or they judge my pricing Mm. Um, and I get to just be in my own power through my experience um, and through, yeah, 
being socialized as a woman and all of that stuff. So, yeah. Tell us switching gears a little bit, tell us what spiritual Mm -hmm. hypnotherapy is and then how it relates to, um, our subconscious beliefs about money and pricing in our business. Yeah, this is a great segue because I, when I went to ask for a raise at that startup company, they gave me like a $2,000 raise and that probably caught that probably covered like some taxes and cost of living. And, um, that's what got me into coaching and being an entrepreneur is that I just wanted to charge my own prices because then I could get all of my financial needs met. I was getting paid $30,000 a year. And when I was working there on my way out, I found out that a lot of the people around me, I asked them, and in some states you can do this, it's completely legal. You can just ask your coworkers what they're making. And I found out that one of my coworkers with the same credentials, she was just in a different part of the company, was making like 55K. And I was, they were like, oh, here's a two grand raise for you. And I was really angry. And I said, I have the same credentials and there's a lot of value in the work that, and that's the thing. You shouldn't really have to prove yourself if you know you're good good at what you do. You shouldn't have to prove yourself. And so that was kind of the final, (laughs) that was the final thing. So I realized that, okay, I was actually holding myself back in some ways because I had some deep internalized beliefs around Mm. worthiness and around what I was able to receive in terms of a salary. So when I got into entrepreneurship, it allowed for that healing on a deep subconscious level. And so I said, how do I help my clients with this? How do I help them with any internalized things? Like the way that you grew up, the environment you grew up, the money beliefs that you have a hundred percent impact how you negotiate, how you Mm. feel confident and how you determine your pricing. So spiritual, so spiritual hypnotherapy has been, I'll say, I have been in in the spiritual realm since I was a kid. So I grew up with a witchy mom. She was into Reiki. Um, I kind of lost my way a little bit throughout college. and But I still gave tarot readings out of my room. And I know we connect on that. That's so cool. And I started noticing that the cards that I would pull would you know, align to what my friend in college would be going through. And then the next thing I knew, they'd be crying in my dorm room. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I didn't really know what I was doing at the time, right? That probably wasn't the safest thing to do, but here we are Mm -hmm. now that we've learned and evolved. um, I've been able to, I've always had a, a connection and a relationship with spirituality. So when people, I noticed when people were passing away, when I was eight years old, my uncle passed away. Um, my godfather passed away. There were some significant deaths that happened in my life and Mm -hmm. I felt very connected to them as they passed away. So as they transitioned and I learned that some of these people are on my spirit team, they're part of, they're my guides. I can connect with them. I can speak to them. Mm -hmm. And I thought, everyone had this ability. So (laughs) when I was little, I'm like, oh, I I can like, here's my great aunt. And she's like doing the dishes with me. And I'm just like, not everyone can sense or see people who have passed away, come back to visit or communication or things like that. 
So I knew that I was different, but I didn't fully explore that until a couple of years ago because I felt, I think a lot of shame. I didn't really know where to start and I needed the right mentors in my life to propel that part of me forward that I kind of kept hidden Mm. for a while. And then on top of that, like, oh, who am I to make money off of something that feels so natural to me? Um, And there's a lot of judgment that comes with that. Um, I think from other people. Right. And then internalized of like, oh, I care so much about what other people think that we hold ourselves back from really pursuing what we want to do. So hypnotherapy, I really allowed myself actually just within the past year to go fully into hypnotherapy because I did realize there was a part of me holding myself back. And I was still in the, um, higher education. I actually had a higher education business and I was teaching higher ed folks because I came from that industry. I taught them how to build their own business. Um, but it just wasn't lighting me up anymore. There's a lot of industries that experienced shadows and just deconstruction. And you can see there's parts of the education industry that are crumbling right now. Yeah. Um, And I just was like, people need this more than ever. They need subconscious healing. They need somatic healing and they need to connect with their intuition and their bodies because there's so much abundance available to us within. So hypnotherapy has completely allowed me and my clients to just open up in a whole new way and Mm -hmm. shifting your beliefs at the root, right? Like your root chakra, you're shifting them from the bottom up rather than kind of a top down approach, Mm. like talk therapy. Yeah. Can like having both of those things can be so healing for people who are really struggling with like money mindset and pricing. I think we hear the phrase money mindset so much and I'm kind of jaded by it because Mm. it's so much deeper than just your mindset and just, right. it kind of, it kind of assumes that we just have to fix something that's wrong with us. Whereas yeah. what we have is already there. It's more of hypnotherapy really allows you to remember who you are and remember like you without all of these things that you've learned from an external mm. perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of worthiness and and prices, and I really want to get into what you don't have to share your specific internalized beliefs, maybe what you see often of like, what are the core beliefs that you're working with in regard to pricing? Um, Personally, this is something that still shows up. I have definitely progressed lack of better words or or challenge those beliefs around money and worth. Um, When I was in a previous job, severely getting underpaid poverty level, just, and I didn't see it in the moment. And now it's something I really, I feel like you probably can relate to this. I look back and I feel sad. I feel grief. I feel maybe a tiny bit shame of like, how did I not see how, you know, lowballed I was? And I am so, you know, now I can see I'm so worthy of a safe environment of high paying environment. Um, but when I was, working, I thought, oh, I know, but I have boundaries now. I'm, I'm worthy. Like I'm not letting toxic friends in my life or toxic partners in my life. But yet when it came to work, I would overwork, drive myself into the ground. And then at the end of the week, 
I've worked 40 plus hours and I have $500 and I can't make my rent. And then I would internalize like, I need to take on more clients. What am I not doing right? And just would feel, you know, if I ever had to borrow money or something, I would just feel so, what am I not doing? Why? And it makes you feel for, I don't really, for lack of a better term, feel, you feel crazy. You feel um, like I'm, you're losing your mind or your reality. So um, that's something that I, that really, when I stepped away from that job and created my business, a mirror was held up and was like, you don't think that you're worth getting paid a high salary. And that's something that I'm slowly, you know, I'll increase a little bit and I'll challenge myself a little bit. Um, But I won't lie. I look at, I still have that judgment when I see someone else's prices that maybe are double mine or triple mine. I'm like, are we sure like this is okay? Like, like I start, I'm freaking out a bit, Um, you know? And so I'd love to know what internalized messages you see from your clients or that you experience yourself and how you move through that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's really powerful. And there's, I think when we've worked in environments that haven't provided a piece of psychological safety for us in terms of money, because that's a real thing, then we do have, we do experience trauma and we do Mm. need to heal, begin to heal that trauma um, so that we can feel safe with receiving larger sums of money. If that's what we really desire too. So desire is kind of hidden underneath all of these things that we've learned about money. And so it's, that's why it's really hard to connect to desire and pleasure around Mm -hmm. money when you haven't moved through kind of the thick of it on your own, which sounds like you're moving through that right now. And I think there's layers and then they always come those, they come back around too to challenge you. So I can say a hundred percent, every entrepreneur is dealing with money stuff. Like it's just part of our job. Yeah, (laughs) It's part of our job. But some of the things that I see the most when it comes to beliefs is what I see in their behaviors, which is undervaluing services. And I think in the context of living in a more patriarchal, Mm -hmm. um, when we're saying things like toxic patriarchy, like what does that actually mean? And for me in the coaching and hypnotherapy industry, it means that we traditionally have not valued emotional labor. Mm. We traditionally do not value emotional labor. And we actually place more value on things like marketing strategies and a business, having a business plan. I cannot tell you how many times people ask me like, so how did you write your business plan? I said, I had zero business plan. I just went for it. I knew that I needed, right. I knew I needed to make a profit and there was nothing that was written down that could really tell me how to do that other than exploring my own confidence and knowing what I want to do. Yeah. And actually doing, taking action. And for a lot of women, that is emotionally, that is rooted in emotion. That is rooted in beliefs. So when I, so, so for me as a coach, I help women notice or people, you know, socialize as women, et cetera. I help them notice their behaviors and they're getting underpaid. Mm. Like, how did you come to this how did you come to this price point? Like, let's actually break it down. So let's imagine we're both, I'm a hypnotherapist. You're 
a coach and a therapist Mm -hmm. and you do some hypnotherapy work too. So past life regression. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. So you get it. So let's say I wrote out kind of in front of me some notes. I'm like, okay, let's go through for everyone. Cause it's so great. Like the re- there's research and hard statistics on this. Right. So I could, I could read that off today, but would it be, would it hit home with whoever's listening? Probably mm. not because I have to know your day in a life of why you're undercharging and why you're under earning. And so I, ident- so let me define some things first under earning is any time you believe you are making less than what you should be making. So most people are under earning right now. Undercharging is charging less than you should be making to get your financial needs met. And again, most people are undercharging um, because they don't have enough for retirement. They don't have enough to go on vacation. They don't have enough to buy health insurance. These are entrepreneurs and they're going down the road of um, burnout. And that's definitely burnout is a sign that you're probably not charging enough um, mm-hmm. as well. So when we go into like break, I want whoever's listening to break down everything that you do for your business. So you're scheduling, you're probably responding to inquiries and Instagram DMS. You book free consultations, say like a 30 minute consultation. You have to write up your contracts. You pay for all your software. You pay for taxes. If you are, I work with a good amount of like single moms who want to build businesses. They have to afford a babysitter or a nanny or get their parents to come over. Um, Mm -hmm. right. And they're, they're thinking the belief is I have to do it all of myself in order to save money. But in reality is that they're afraid to charge more. So they don't have to do it all by themselves. They're actually under, under charging because they're giving, they're doing all this work for free rather than charging what they should be charging to fully value the work that they're doing, Mm -hmm. which is much more uncomfortable. It's much more comfortable to say, I'm just going to do it all myself to save, you know, 50 to a hundred dollars. It's a lot. There's a lot more discomfort in taking responsibility and selling your services in order to make more money to pay someone else to support you. Mm. So I noticed the behaviors of a lot of my clients will deny themselves the support they really crave because they're afraid of raising their prices and really afraid of getting their financial needs met. So something that can be really helpful um, to kind of, right. I always in hypnotherapy, we're always honoring the emotions and why they're there. That's a big reason that people don't price accordingly, but we can also get there from writing out everything that we're doing and helping your conscious mind see that there's actually a huge disconnect between all the work that you're doing. So this is like, this is basic math. I'm not doing anything. That's like, you don't have to be a hypnotherapist in order to do this. You can write out everything that you do throughout the day and price it like your software, how much would it cost for you to actually have a virtual assistant and charge a little bit more to pay that person a living wage and pay yourself a living wage and reclaim your time and energy mm-hmm. and all, and all of that you are. Um, we were just, my husband and I, we were watching, um, 
I don't know, some show. I think it was Good Trouble. It's a great show. It's on love that show. It. It's good. And I, there's some pricing things in there. So um, with Mariana, who works at a startup yes, company. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And actually, let's talk about that for a second. We're going on a little tangent, but Good Trouble, that show. And then I'll come back. Um, so Mariana, you should go watch the show. She's dating the CEO of the startup company. And she goes, I want to actually start my own company. And he tells her, oh, that's like really risky. Like, I don't know if you should do that. And she and she called him out. She was like, why are you telling me this is risky when you mm-hmm. went and started your own company and now you're super successful? And he didn't even realize that he was doing it. He's like, well, I just want to protect you. And she is like, I didn't ask for your protection. I asked to be supported by you. Right. And so I think there's some, right, we can see it in that interaction that men think differently about a woman's success and we have to go about breaking. Yeah. We have to go about breaking our own barriers around how we desire to be supported. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's that, but on a commercial watching that show, there was a new Facebook ad about meta and being at home while watching your kids. And it was a woman and she was on a conference call And her kids are playing in the background. They're like, now we have noise canceling for Facebook. And my husband goes, so they're implying that you should work from home and watch your kids at the same time. And I'm so glad he picked up on that because we're being programmed that we should have to do it all by ourselves. Oh my God. And that's not okay. And so that a hundred percent plays into our pricing and reinforces commercials like that reinforce the idea that we have to do it all alone. When in reality, we are robbing ourselves and robbing our clients of becoming the best version of ourselves when we price low. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause then we're tired. We don't have enough time to make meals for our family or for ourselves. We're literally not nourished enough. We don't have enough. So anytime a client says there's not enough, there's not enough time. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough money. Immediately. I ask them what their prices are and what they're, what, what they're prioritizing. Are you actually prioritizing selling in your business or are you just tinkering around and doing admin tasks that could easily be outsourced? And listen, I know pricing, right? You're listening to this podcast. You're like, this is bringing up so much shit for me. I want to yeah. turn it off. Yes. Pricing is going to be one of those things that are highly emotional because there's a lot of financial trauma behind it. Ooh. So listen to the podcast and re-listen when if you need to be in a space mm-hmm. where this hits differently. It's a good thing. I was triggered for a long time. I'm speaking from experience of pricing low as an entrepreneur and moving through really tough emotions, shame, guilt, feeling judged by other coaches and other hypnotherapists. Um, Actually, just a few months ago, my mentor, Leo, who I think you're in connection with in the hypnotherapy field, I felt so much um, I, uncertainty. I wanted, I really desired to price higher than some of my mentors because I have different financial needs than maybe they do. I don't know. This is totally an assumption. Right. So we hopped on a call. We were in a hypnotherapy training and Leo 
called me out. He was like, oh, what does the pricing queen think about this conversation? Because we got into a conversation about pricing and one, I had no idea that people thought of me that way. So that was like, oh, okay. And then two, I said, I had to price in order to make a living wage above a living wage. I need to make this much in order to like thrive and survive. And in that moment, it gave, I could just feel this air and energy of permission that it gave other hypnotherapists in that group to price higher. And they're like, oh, I've been like, some people said, oh, I've been running around, like trying to charge $25 for this and this and this. And wow, what it, what would it be like to just take high level one-on-one clients for a little bit to get my needs met? So I can offer more accessible offers in my business. Which can be scary. Yeah. I, you, yeah, you're rocking my world over here. I have so much to to process in a great way. I'm not like maybe a little bit triggered, but it's all good. Um, Something I am so curious Mm. about is, so this advocacy part of me that Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling financially and I have been for, for years being post-grad and then taking a low paying job kind of just paying for my past, you know, hella student loan debts, et cetera. So the story that I have is if I couldn't, so there's a lot of service providers that I, I can't afford. I want to work with a coach, but my insurance pays for talk therapy. So that's what I have to go with. So it's a bit of a, I guess, a projection of I, if I can't afford my prices, then why would I set my price to that? Because someone else who's maybe in a similar situation has barriers, can't afford that. I feel, yeah, like I'm not being accessible if I, yeah. Yeah, and I I even had a client who was undercharging this week, a coaching client, and I was like, raise your prices. And also like both can exist. You can offer group events that are, donation-based or, you know, I had all these ideas, do a giveaway once in a while, like keep your price high for the people that can afford that. And also like you can throw in these little things that make you accessible to people who are lower income facing poverty, et cetera. But for me, I'm like, yeah, thoughts. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Definitely save this. I don't believe that we have to give our scraps to people who are experiencing poverty or people who our services are inaccessible to. Mm -hmm. And this is a decision that every business owner has to make for themselves. Yeah. There are going to be certain times in your season of entrepreneurship where you do need to charge higher and you need to be inclusive of yourself first. Ooh. You have to be inclusive of yourself first. And so I'm not, I'm saying this and I like that you brought this up. You brought the both and up Mm -hmm. at some point you have to decide how you want to give back. These are right now, the small businesses that are being created, they're wanting sustainability, but they're judging people for pricing high and It's not a, you price high forever and ever, and you only take a certain client. It's being strategic about your pricing so that you can give back in the ways that you want to give back. So 
Yeah. I was, I had a client too. And they said, well, I just want to donate 10% of my proceeds to this organization. I said, that's great. But if no one's buying your offer, then you have nothing to give back and you're just going to feel worse at the end of the day. Yeah. So I said, you do know that you can donate however you want. And by judging ourselves and judging other entrepreneurs for not giving to charity or donating or et cetera, et cetera, because of our identities, that is another form of oppression that people Mm -hmm. don't talk about is that judgment that comes with, oh, this person is only charging high and you have no idea who they're giving their money to. You really have no idea. There's a lot of assumptions being made in Mm. the online, in the online space. Yeah. And I'm looking at small businesses. This is one thing too. One of my coaches said, um, I think it was my coach, Gina Knox. She's a financial money coach. She said, people will judge you when you have debt, when you're poor, and they'll praise you when you have debt, when you're rich, because you used it strategically to build your business. Ooh. So Yes. So there's going to be periods where you do have to be inclusive of yourself first and work through the discomfort of actually putting yourself first so that when you do give to charity, you're giving from a place of overflow. And my other coach who I worked with two years ago, Rachel Rogers, she has a great book. You should read it. It's called We Should All Be Millionaires. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks about, you know, she, I think her or one of her clients gave She's instead of donating at all, she said, I really want to become so wealthy that I can give a million dollars to the college that I went to. And you know what? That's not going to take five years. That's not going to take 10 years. That's going to take like maybe 20, 30 years, but I'm not going to put a timeline on it. And guess what? That's going to afford hundreds, if not thousands of students. The impact is so much larger because she chose to wait. And she chose to create a robust product suite. She can serve high-level clients. She can serve clients at in a membership, right? There's mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be just one thing. There's not just one solution for one problem. There's many problems and there's many solutions. And she got to give back in a way that really made this profound impact. They're senior college students. They're graduating with no debt and they have... They have all this freedom now to just move on with their life right after college. Mm. And that that kind of story gives me chills when I hear that. Now, you have to, anyone listening has to decide what is the impact and the legacy that I want to leave? And that's going to be completely up to you. And so working through any guilt or shame around that is going to be your job mm. and what you really desire. Is that, is that your family? Do you have an amazing family that provided you with so much? My parents worked, they're still working and they provided me with a lot. And I said, I would love to be able to give back to them and also give back and start a family of my own where my kids maybe don't have to have debt, right? That would be important. Maybe that's where I'm starting. Maybe that's where my vision is starting. Mm. And as I grow, my vision gets to get bigger. I feel that so many entrepreneurs get, um, like they have the fear, they get paralyzed from their huge visions. And they think that no one's an overnight success. You have to start where you are Mm. and raise your prices that are aligned to your nervous system and know that you're not going to have it all figured out. In this moment. Yeah. 
and you have to try things. I tried sliding scale my first year, actually sliding scale helped me get to six figures, um, in my business. That was really helpful because I had people who could pay a thousand dollars. And then I had people who could pay $150 Mm -hmm. and someone asked me like, why is your scale so big? And I said, because I want to serve everyone. And I think that we are so we're taught that we have to have one niche. We're taught that we have to be this one person and have one title. And I, I even struggled with this in the past year. And my mentor said, why do you feel like you just have to be one thing? Like you're a multidimensional human being right? and we're here to take up space. There's plenty of space for everyone to take up for everyone to be supported. And that was it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep trying this. And I've implemented so many different pricing structures that now I'm like, I feel comfortable implementing and just practicing it. Mm -hmm. And going with, here's this, it's not going to be perfect, but I want to practice it. So so I know what my clients enjoy and what my clients don't enjoy. You cannot make decisions in a vacuum as an entrepreneur. You actually have to try things to see if they work. And so that's why I know you and I, we like love the power of community because that's the whole point. You share things that have worked and you share things that haven't worked And we have these amazing connections like you and I, we were just, I was just like, Hey, I saw, you know, um, Mercedes Mm -hmm. and I want to meet you because what you're doing seems super cool. And that's all it takes to have these really healing conversations is to reach out. Yeah. I, I love this conversation. I, I can't wait to listen back to this. Something, two things that are coming up very (laughs) repeatedly as you're talking is there are so many systems of oppression that exist in our society, huge systems with decades of oppressive history, race, gender, sexuality, all the things. Um, and something that I, I struggle with is like, it's not my job. It's not my individual job to change systems that are rooted in so much power and money. And like, that doesn't mean that I turn a blind eye and don't care about it, but I can't lowball myself, stay in poverty myself and never get out of the, the thing. I'm just, I'm just harming myself by thinking that I'm helping, but I'm not. And then the other thing is this internalized martyr that I have of, you know, since everyone else doesn't view helping professions as like societally, view helping professions as important or, um, good enough or important. Um, I've internalized that. And I think if someone were to come to me and be like, Oh, therapy or coaching is not really helpful. You know, I would be like, yes, it is. And here's why Uh, I think like on a subconscious level though, I'm, I'm perpetuating that of like, well, I'm helping people and I don't need to, you know, um, so that you really like shown a, a light on that in a very gentle and a very gentle way of this internalized martyr that women or people socialize as women feel, even if you think that you've unlearned that it's like this little hint that's always kind of, kind of there of like, you need to be inclusive for everyone Yes. And when it comes to your business, I like that you're really challenging a lot of thought patterns that I have today. 
Of course. Yeah. Thank you for being so open. I think that mm-hmm. pricing is really one of those kind of topics that shakes people because, because what you're taught about being inclusive and accessible, I often only hear one narrative going around and it's very much focused on other people. And if we want to break that cycle of like putting other people first before us, like Yes, I 100% believe in giving back, but it doesn't mean that I have to lower my prices in order to align to my values. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, it's I actually, in order to break these cycles, that women often, I often see this bet- women between women judging each other the most. And I'm like, okay, you're judging me, but why aren't you out judging that like man over Jeff there? Jeff Bezos, for- who's like in nasa or in this in space like yeah i was thinking that too like i look at other business owners who are on the same whatever playing field i guess instead of like zooming out like let's look at who's owning all these companies that are treating workers like crap and the reason that we're even in this place anyway is because we were getting underpaid in a more traditional role. I'm upset now. <laughs> oh, yes. Get angry. You should be. I think every small business owner should be angry. And I'm really mindful of when I do order off of Amazon, that when Amazon, it's it's shown that when Amazon comes into communities, it's taking away from small business owners. Luckily, we're online businesses. So it's not really affecting us too, too much. But, but the way that it does affect us is that I do reinvest into small businesses in my area that are brick and mortar. So I'm intentional about where my money goes Mm -hmm. and being a steward of money and knowing that, okay, my small business actually matters. Mm -hmm. And I remind myself that every day when I'm showing up to sell my services, Mm -hmm. that this is a huge, if everyone could think in a new way relating to, you know, you aren't Amazon, you aren't Target. You aren't. And there's a reason for that because they do employ workers from our country, from other countries that don't have great lifestyles. They are in poverty. Mm -hmm. They're having a hard time. And we are, we're saying when we're starting a small business, oh, wow, I can pay above a living wage because I can charge that way. And I'm making sure that my my employees, my contractors aren't stressed out when they show up to work. I have the happiest virtual assistant. I'm, I'm going to say this with confidence. I'm probably one of her favorite clients because I'm just like, oh, what else can you do for me? And she's like, oh, you're going to pay me more. I was like, yeah, why wouldn't I pay you more in order to get shit done? And therefore I can focus on what I want to focus on. I don't want to be emailing. I don't want to be doing this. I want to be in my zone of genius, of creativity, of happiness, of joy. And I can only serve my clients the best from that place. I tried going out without an assistant um, for a while and it was really hard. Mm -hmm. And I don't have children yet. I don't have like, I have fur babies that interrupt every once in a while, work from home life, but I'm in a pretty good spot. And I, I, it's hard for me to imagine some of my clients who do all of this, they're moms, they're handling everything. And yet they don't have a personal assistant. They don't have a virtual assistant and they feel like they have to do it all on their own. Mm -hmm. So I try to remind folks like you're a custom small business. You're offering a very niche service and it is luxury. Mm -hmm. Most of us aren't 
Um, I would say most coaches aren't mental health professionals. They're very specific in one niche of some sort, whether it's mindset, hypnotherapy, subconscious. My program is just about pricing. The first time I ran this program, like 80 to 100 people signed up. And that was a lot of money for me for to come through on one product. But I was like, wow, look at this one service. It can serve so many people at a low price point. It doesn't make that doesn't mean that I'm making not a lot of money. Um, so there's ways to get your needs met and to find out like where does your passion intersect with your market and what they need. Mm, yeah. I just happen, right? My lived experiences match match up with the pricing conversation right now. So it's meeting a need. It's also coming from a very organic place. So I would say, what are those organic conversations that you love having that you talk about every day that maybe make you angry and fire you up? Mm -hmm. And what are you doing about it through your services in a way that you're actually getting paid for all of this knowledge? Like, what's the point in getting angry and fired up if you can't get paid for it in some way? Yeah. I need that on a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. Yes, a hundred percent. So when you're justifying, so here's maybe some advice for folks moving forward. Mm -hmm. You do have to justify your prices. I'm not saying I'm not out here charging a hundred thousand dollars for hypnotherapy yet. Maybe I will one day. I'm not going to deny that. Because if I, if Beyonce wants hypnotherapy, I know that she's going to be able to pay a lot more than someone who I'm serving, like maybe online, the coaching industry who just started their business. It's going to be different. Um, but who, who would I become if I did serve Beyonce as a hypnotherapist? What if she was looking for hypnotherapy and we had a common, I think I figured this out that like, I'm one person away from Beyonce. What if that person happened to refer me to her? Who would I be? Would I be like so scared that I wouldn't serve her? No, I'd be confident and I would say yes. And I would figure out what her budget is for hypnotherapy. So I'm like, who am I becoming? Who do I want to serve? What is the belief in who I'm serving? Can I serve anyone? Or is it just someone at a certain socioeconomic status, which I feel like really boxes entrepreneurs in Mm -hmm. and then just reinforces our own beliefs around everything that's going on. Yeah. So justify, yeah, justify your prices in your education. If you didn't go to college, justify it. And there's education, listening to podcasts, listening Mm -hmm. to reading books, that's education. It's just non-traditional. Right. So I would say value non-traditional education more value, emotional labor, value the healing journey more. Um, we need the healing, the collective right now to heal and understand the value of your services. I think there's a quote that goes around. It's kind of like, it's just thrown around. It's like charge what you're worth. And I'm like, no, charge the value of, of your service in relation to your client. Mm. And you, kn- so if my client is making, you know, they're, they're having their first six, six figure year and they're paying me 10 grand. I think that's a great, I think that's great as a business coach. They're paying me 10 grand to make six figures, to learn all of these skills in order to get there. Some people will say that's a lot of money, put 10, you know, 10 grand into a six figure business, that's probably going to last you forever. Right. Mm. If they're teaching you in a sustainable way, 
but people don't question taking out debt for college until after when they see, oh, this college degree isn't <laughs> taking me at maybe as far, right? Yeah. And I was just talking about this. They're like, oh, I actually learned more from maybe outside of the classroom and in my experience than mm-hmm. I did within my some of my classes. So understand your value. You have to sell. This is a behavior I see. I look at, I do an audit of people's businesses and they're not selling enough and they're asking themselves, what's wrong with me? And I'm like, what if there's nothing wrong with you and you actually just need to sell consistently and make it part of your process? Ask yourself how you can sell every day. Send an email, post on Instagram, post somewhere. Um, Just talk about your services and stories, like stories from clients. I get permission to share anonymous stories for my clients so that I can share what I do. Mm -hmm. You need a clear message because people do want to know what am I getting in exchange for this service? They don't, you don't, they don't want to feel like they're getting cheated just because you're putting a high price on something. Um, so you can't skip demonstrating the value of your service, but I will say that if you're charging low, you still have to demonstrate that value just as much as if you were to charge higher. Mm. So you're doing the same amount of work and we do this to ourselves. We do the same amount of work for a lower price. It takes me the same amount of effort. And I would say even more sometimes to fill up my like $25 group hypnotherapy sessions. I get like a similar amount of people every time, but it takes me more. Sometimes I talk about my one-on-one services one time and it's my highest rate. And a client comes in and I said, I've been waiting for a one-on-one spot to open and I will pay you today. And I'm like, wow, it's interesting how that works where when we believe in ourselves more and the power of our work, that we get to be paid for that and demonstrate the value of our work. I was thinking about the mastermind that I ran this year mm-hmm. and um, how I think it was like between eight and nine K that I charged and they had this beautiful retreat. And at one point I was like, if I was on a retreat, what would I want? And I said, I would want to go, if I was in Florida, I would want to go out on a fucking boat. Mm-hmm. I would want to be on a boat. And I would have a drink and snacks Mm -hmm. and I want to go out and collect some seashells Mm -hmm. and have a grand old time. So I was debating. I said, this is going to be like 500 extra dollars. Can I afford it? And I said, I'm so glad that I charged the price that I charged because it allows me to give them an amazing experience at the retreat. We had a private chef. We had we went out on the damn boat. We had a sunset cruise. It was amazing. It was the night before they left. And they both said to me, like, this was so worth it. This was just like the cherry on top. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to give my clients that experience of going the extra, like giving them extra because they deserve it. But I can't do that if I'm charging low. Yeah. I can't send them. I can't give them flowers. I can't give them like a nice luxury gift. Um, I can't send them even a, even if it's a letter in the mail that costs money, there's stamps cost money, letters cost money. Um, so demonstrating that is always going to help you make more money, but it's just you deciding that your service is worth that. And I think being in conversations like this is where we get to break 
and look at and explore why we even have those thoughts Mm -hmm. to begin with. Yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation today. Um, it, it was great. It was a, it was a very insightful conversation for me and I know it will be for listeners too. I'd love to know how listeners can work with you and follow you. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I, you know, I do want to say that the money conversation is very complex and you could go down a lot of different paths to prove any side of whatever you want to be proved. Um, But I think in this context, um, we can do a lot of good in the world when we use our privilege for good too. So I'm excited to hear what your community has to say. And it was so great connecting with you. People can follow me at Kaylee Robsham on Instagram and I'll have my own podcast up here soon, but I've been, it's been such a joy hopping on people's podcasts like yours. And I do take one-on-one clients. So, um, one-on-one hypnotherapy, spiritual hypnotherapy clients. So if people want to get to the root of why they're having some of these thoughts. Um, we really get to dive deep into your subconscious in a loving and compassionate, compassionate and confronting way so that, um, you can really have time to be where these, where the root of these thoughts came from, whether it's a past life, whether it's, uh, something that happened in childhood, Mm -hmm. um, you don't really know until, or maybe you do know, and you just want to go into deeper healing around that. Um, And then, of course, uh, the Pricing Pleasure course. Um, So I ran a course called Inclusive Pricing about two years ago. And since some of my beliefs have changed around pricing, which is great. And my colleague and I, Simone McNeish, we're going to be leading that next month. So we're going to start doing signups towards the end of August. And that will be an evergreen program you can buy and listen to the modules and start working through your own pricing beliefs. And actually we're going to help you develop your own pricing models in that program. So Simone and I are really excited because we're just bringing a lot of different conversations together to hold that both and uh, energy. So that would be probably the next best way if you're just getting to know us and you want to get some real support around entrepreneurship and pricing and money. Cool. Thank you so much. Is your website um, just your name? Yep. It's um, www.keelyrobsham.com. I am launching that soon. So it's not even fully up and running, but it will be soon. So people can just follow me on Instagram for now and um, we'll have those links available. So I'd love, yeah, people say hi. And just drop something that they resonated with from the podcast. I love to hearing, hearing about how this um, helps people. Cool. Thank you, Kaylee. Well, thank you, Morgan.